Hey, what's up, friends? Today's podcast episode is with Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. He's a family medicine physician and a obesity, obesity and lifestyle medicine physician as well. And, uh, you know, we're going to drop some cold hard facts in this episode. So check it out. I hope you like it. Before we get into the episode, we got to shout out our favorite medical scrub company, Metalita. They make the highest performance fabric scrubs in the industry, hands down. I wear their scrub jacket every single day to work. I love it. It looks good. It feels good. It keeps me warm. Patients compliment me on it all the time. I've also got my name stitched in uh, pretty fancy letters. Beautiful stitching, by the way. Um, So if you're looking for a gift to gift someone for this Christmas, I would highly, highly recommend Metalita's scrub jacket because it makes such a great gift. Really, um, if you know someone who is in the healthcare field, uh, this makes a really awesome gift. So check out metalita.com. You can always get 20% off by using discount code Beyond Medicine 20 And sometimes, if you're lucky, you might catch them on the website where they have 30% off. So go to metalita.com. Check out the scrub jacket. Check out their scrubs. They're really cool. They fit really great. And they are super, super high quality. You can wash them 100 times and they still look brand new. All right, that's my little bit on that. Now we're going to get into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy this mo- Enjoy this one as much as I did. When I was younger, I was really into nutrition and exercise science for performance reasons. I got really good at athletics using science there. Uh, and as I went through undergrad and then got into medical school, it wasn't helping people get better at performance didn't really fulfill me. So it was one of those things where I thought, well, if I could just take a fraction of this obsession with performance and apply it to like the general population and chronic disease management, it can have much broader implications than just helping someone go from a, you know, a a 40 yard dash of like 4.7 seconds down, you know, down to 4.5. It's like, who cares about that or doing a hundred yard day or doing more reps on the bench press. Um, Mm -hmm. if someone's already at peak condition for me, it was like, Hey, why don't we get people off their diabetes medicines and get them feeling better and just have a better quality of life. That's more fulfilling to me. So that's, really what got me into it um at a young age awesome and you've been you've been helping a lot of people now uh lose weight right yeah so it start you know it starts in residence well medical school technically you start seeing patients in the clinical years but uh really start having your own patients in residency and then you kind of find your voice and you kind of find how you, you how you uh kind of mesh with different patients and and how you communicate so really, yeah, started slowly in residency in mm-hmm. 2011 to 2014. And then since then, not only in the clinic, uh, but also online, I was able to reach a lot of people uh, through social media. So yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been fun. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm trying to find my voice right now and figure that out. But I definitely I know what you mean by that, for sure. Yeah, yeah it, takes, it just takes a while. Like even still, like I have... Um, you know, I try different things on social media and, you know, kind of seeing what resonates with people. Uh, and it, I don't, I don't know if you ever find exactly your voice, but it, you get, you, you hone it a little bit more and more. So yeah, as long as you keep working on it, you'll be fine. Definitely. What do you think some of the, what are some of the, like the biggest problems you've been seeing right now within like just society in general? You're in San Diego right now. You probably have a bit of a different population over there, but just in general, what kind of, 
what kind of things have you really noticed? Yeah, I mean, the most part, it, it depends. If you're doing family medicine and people are coming in for like a physical and you want to help them you know, lose weight and get rid of their chronic disease, it's different than the person coming to you specifically for weight loss. Mm-hmm. So either either situation, you see people just don't know. They, they have a clue of what is healthy eating, but they don't know how nearly how much they're eating. Most people think it's it's their metabolism's broken. Most people think that they don't exercise enough. And some people even think, yeah, you know what? I think my problem is I don't eat enough. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many different misconceptions out there uh, in the general population that it's just astounding. And, you know, we take it for granted because of our medical knowledge and whatever. But, uh, yeah. you know, just small little little tips and tidbits really go a long way. This is why I kind of uh, put my Instagram around that idea. Mm-hmm. What that, what kind of things are patients most confused about? Do you think? Well, you know, it's it's hard to put my finger on one thing. I mean, like people mostly understand they should probably eat more vegetables, more mm-hmm. plants. People know they probably shouldn't be drinking sodas, sugar sweetened sodas, mind you. But people still think they shouldn't eat or drink. Diet sodas, the, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. Most people know they probably shouldn't be eating fast food or fried foods and things like that. But then, then it gets down to like other little nitty gritty things. People just don't know in their mind that the portions are just mm-hmm. way out of whack. Mm-hmm. I always call it a portion distortion. They just, you know, until you start weighing foods out or seeing it for the first time, it's it's really hard. Like pasta, for example. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, if you actually weighed out a, a one serving of pasta, it's a tiny, it's like a few noodles on your plate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so you yeah. get a big plate of pasta. You're like, yeah, this is like a serving because it's, I'm eating it, yeah. but it's probably three right. at least. Yeah. Uh, so it's, those are, those are probably the most common things I, I see. Yeah. I noticed that you talk a lot about portions and a lot about intake and outtake calories, um, and that being a bit of, a bit of a focus for you, and you trying to educate people on that. Um, how, what? So, so I feel like a lot of people are overwhelmed with different points of views, and people just don't know what to listen to and what to believe. It's like there's, it's like one day it's this diet, one day it's the next diet, one day because there's also it's not only that, but there it's experts that are saying this. It's one expert saying this, one expert saying that, and. I mean, there's a, there, like you said, there's a couple of general rules where like you eat a couple, you eat some veggies, you, uh, you know, you eat less sugar, less diet coke. Like these are things we know, but it's also kind of the diets and the trends and the way you should eat and how much you should eat. And that really confuses people. And I see you trying to narrow people's, not, I, I don't know if narrow is the right word, but kind of trying to educate people on what's really at the core of it. Yeah. So, you know, for example, people don't understand the the concept of energy balance. It's something that we've learned maybe in high school or college in a a standard nutrition class where energy balance is basically, you know, the calories coming in from different food stuff and then the calories we burn or utilize. And so if you're in a caloric surplus or an energy surplus, you're getting more calories in than you're burning. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you're going to gain weight in some sort of way, whether it's muscle or fat. If you're in a, a caloric deficit, you'll start to lose weight, whether it's fat, a little bit of combination of fat and muscle, etc. And so one of the misconceptions out there is that that completely goes out of the picture and it's all about hormones it's, or it's all about this way of eating. The calories don't matter. 
Mm-hmm. And when they've done rigorous metabolic ward studies, it yeah. turns out it just comes down to the calories. Now, people will say a calorie is not a calorie. Well, a calorie is a unit of measurement, of, of energy me- measurement. So what they're really saying is that different macronutrients are digested differently and you, the way you burn them is different. That doesn't throw calories uh, or energy balance out of the equation. Right. Um, yeah, so it really comes down, it does come down to calories. That's the most important part when we do these pyramids of importance caloric mm-hmm. balance or energy balance is at the bottom and, and, and i'm not saying that food quality doesn't matter to mm-hmm. these people because they're like oh so you're saying we should just eat pop tarts all day or twinkies it's like no that's not a that's not at all what i was saying i'm saying when it comes down to it it's the calories that matter most a certain quality of diet will change how many calories you're intaking because you, you it's easier to overeat on very highly refined Mm-hmm. processed foods whereas if you're eating whole foods it's just not as easy to eat those uh-huh. things but it does still come down to calories so those are just simple things that i talk about and there's a lot of confusion patients that come to see me they still think it's their hormones and it takes a long re-education process mm-hmm. and actually like proving it to them by having them do certain experiments if they buy mm-hmm. in so what kind of things are you telling them to do at home? Like, are you telling them to count their calories, count every single thing they're taking in and count how much they're burning? So it, it depends on the person. So there's multiple ways of, of getting people to eat fewer calories and, and sustainably do it. Um, so one way is, yeah, you can count your calories. You can weigh all your food, put it into your MyFitnessPal or your Lose It app or one of these apps mm-hmm. and really like watch what you're eating completely. It's just like a checkbook, you know, um, mm-hmm. Uh, balancing it all out or you can the one thing I, I like to do is like a meal template it's not like a meal plan where you have exact type of food with in each meal type of thing you give mm-hmm. them a, um, a few options of different types of things to eat in each meal you want to have 30 grams of protein per se and you give them a list of what equals 30 grams of protein mm-hmm. you say here how, however many carbohydrate in, in each meal and then you give them a list of all the foods that would equal that and the same thing with fat Mm-hmm. And they can mix and match and type of thing. So that's one way of doing it. Another way is is you can just tell people to follow simple guidelines where it's like a low-carbohydrate diet. And we used to think that maybe the insulin, the low insulin levels from the low-carbohydrate diet is what helped people uh, lose fat and not store fat. But it turns out it's just, it's just hard to overeat on a lower-carbohydrate diet. So having people do that, they cut out a whole macronutrient, which would be mm-hmm. carbohydrate, and then you're stuck with – protein-rich and, and high-nutrient-dense uh, uh, foods like vegetables. So mm-hmm. vegetables and protein, it's hard to hard to o- overeat those. I mean, people right, do. Exactly. But, and same thing with low fat. So if you have people cut out all oils. So here's an example. Like most people say, oh, I cut out carbs and I lost weight. Mm-hmm. Well, what'd you cut, what kind of foods did you cut out? Well, I stopped eating donuts. I stopped eating croissants. I stopped eating cookies, pies. And you're kind of like in chips, potato chips. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Those foods can contain both carbs and fat, and they're super high in calories. Mm-hmm. So, so they're like, oh, well, did you cut out eating, you know, <laughs> like fruit, like berries? Well, no. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So, you know, and then same thing with like a a low fat diet. It's if you do it properly, you know, with legumes like lentils, mm-hmm. um, boiled potatoes some of the most satiating types of foods and like lean protein mm-hmm. instead of like spare ribs. Yeah. 
something easy, like very easily overeaten. What do you think about that now that we're on this topic of proteins? I noticed you mentioned some proteins and there's a lot of talk about or there's this whole movement on go vegan or eat a vegan only diet or things like that. And I see I noticed that you're pretty balanced with that. What's your take on that? Like which part? The, the I mean, just I mean, my I'll talk. So I'll just give you my take on it. My take is that uh, I think that. It, there's nothing wrong with having protein in your diet and i oh. think that a lot of them a lot of the there's a lot of like hype or scare tactics or i don't know what it is surrounding this and that if you're not eating vegan you're not necessarily healthy yeah 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 no, it's it's a lot because it's a lot of propaganda it's you know so it's i have nothing against vegans I, um, exactly nobody but, does but there's this whole idea that uh, that if you're not, then you're not the healthiest you can be. I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah, no. I mean, we have so, so you yeah. can look at some something called the blue zones. Where are these people that live right. the longest? What do they eat? It doesn't necessarily mean it is the best because it's more of a, a, a <laughs> case control kind of studies. But um, we, we're never going to have this huge randomized control trial putting right. two groups of people and seeing who lives the longest. It just it wouldn't happen. But we can go back and look at who's living the longest and let's see what these people are eating. They've done that um, called the blue zones. Mm-hmm. Interest, super interesting stuff. But they eat mostly plants. Mm-hmm. They do eat mostly plants. But most of the blue zones, they do have animal products thrown in there. Now, mm-hmm. I will say I come from a more of an athletic bodybuilder, wrestling, football type of background where it is a much higher protein right. uh, level and I would say that for longevity purposes, I don't. I, I think there's probably eating high protein is not the greatest for longevity. Mm-hmm. However, having said that, is it truly detrimental? I, I don't know. I'm just going <clears> by <throat> who, who lives the longest. Yeah. They're not super high protein. But when we do these experiments mm-hmm. and trials, you can see that people that do high protein diets yeah. with uh, other healthful tactics they seem to do extremely well but mm-hmm. you know they're shorter shorter yeah. year, a, a year or two yeah general um uh so anyway yeah that I, yeah you you can be there's a lot of people that are very health healthy mm-hmm. that eat higher mm-hmm. amounts of protein it's yeah. just uh, tends to be the people that live the longest they right. they don't but that's their cultural thing yeah. i don't know hard yeah. to say there's no arguing that definitely you know a majority plant-based diet is 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 beneficial right but yeah. there's nothing wrong to say that you should all you could also eat meat twice a week. You know what's wrong with that? Right, exactly. And and you know again, I talk about this all the time. There's as long I mean, not processed meat and not like in in maybe like a grass fed or or something like that. Yeah, even even still, I mean, you know, once you get down to the nitty gritties of the different you know trials that have been done, it's like okay, it's probably safe that you can. They can eat this up, but then it gets down to ethical concerns of how the animals were treated, the sustainability, right. lots of different arguments to be had. I look at it from a, a lens of like just health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert on the on ethics and of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. I, yeah, that's a whole yeah. other conversation too, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so what are you, what, what kind of stuff are you doing right now as for like someone who's a little bit leaner or somebody who's already at their, uh, ideal body weight, what kind of things are you recommending for them? Yeah. So, um, 
this would be what we call like a maintenance type of diet where you're just kind of tweaking some things. Like that's pretty much what I do most of the year. Sometimes I try to gain weight, which doesn't even make sense for me at this point in my life. But um, <laughs> very, I eat mostly the same types of foods. I, it's kind of like a meal template style. It's always a, a protein shake in the morning with you know some fruit, um, maybe some nuts or nut butter. Mm-hmm. Lunch is is lentil soup with some Greek yogurt or it's vegetables, a lean meat and uh, some rice. Mm -hmm. Then usually there's a, maybe some cereal after my workout. And then for dinner, it's, it's something of the same, but it's very similar day in and day out. Uh I try to get lots of plants, lots of fruits and vegetables, legumes uh, and and healthy fats and then lean protein. Are you keeps me do you kind of, do you do you have a are you counting your calories or do you have a baseline or you just kind of know where you're at yeah no i don't i don't count my calories uh i only do i've only done that when i did a bodybuilding contest it was can't believe it's like four years ago now but um i did that and really got precise with it because like if you're if you're not counting it's 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 very imprecise and it doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be able to lose weight it's just if you're trying to hold on to muscle and you're already lean, you, you kind of have to be a little bit more precise. But uh, yeah, I don't count my calories. It's it's I kind of watch my weight, and if I start seeing that it's creeping up too much when I'm not really trying to, then mm-hmm. all I have to do is cut back because I know approximately in each meal how much I'm how much I eating I'm, I'm eating. I just kind of cut back. I'm eating desserts five times a week. I go back to once or twice. Pretty very simple, but I'm I'm in tune. You know, most people just don't know what the heck they're eating. Right. So what do you do when you get a when you get someone who's, you know, maybe 40, 50, even 100 pounds, even more than that, pounds overweight? What kind of like where are you starting for them? What's a good starting place for for someone like that? Where do you what do you do for them? Yeah, there've been some big trials that have been done. Nobody has an exact answer, but like you can go into, you know, one of these calorie calculators and say all right, when do you want to lose this weight by, which they always want to lose it like yesterday. So yeah, that doesn't really work so well. And then based on that, you can kind of calculate how many calories you need to eat in order to make a certain weight by a certain time. Mm-hmm. I found that that doesn't actually, it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually change your management. Cause like in general, the calories are going to be anywhere from like 1200 calories for some, for like a, a, a woman that's a little bit shorter, mm-hmm. uh, sedentary. And the reason I say woman is it doesn't necessarily matter so much, but women tend to have less muscle mass than men, and that plays a role in how many how much how many calories they're burning. And if they're sedentary and short, they don't have as much just fat-free mass that burns calories. So, mm-hmm. women that are short and sedentary, their calories have to be on that lower end, um, just by the physics of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I go up to a you know 2,400 calories on the higher end for someone who's like 400 pounds and just really struggling. Uh, with a lower calorie diet mm-hmm. and then you know w- what you find out is that most people can't even stick to that lower calorie level anyway so then it, it kind of creeps up regardless mm-hmm. um, that's in general where I start it's around 30 to 35 percent of their diets comes from protein if they don't meet that protein number it doesn't bother me so much I'm not like one of these other people that are really pushing the protein because it really just it, it's the total calories that matters the most mm-hmm. um and then fat and carbohydrate, I kind of talk to them and see, you know, what they prefer. But, you know, there's some studies looking at preferences in those. And it 
Turns out it just doesn't matter. You just got to get somebody eating better. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Is there, I feel like there's got to be an element of like mentally preparing the patient for this prior because, you know, to stick to something like that is not easy. I, I had to cut weight one time for, I've only cut weight twice in my life. And this was back when I was doing uh, some mixed martial arts. I thought I was cool uh, to yeah, get in yeah, the cage yeah. with someone. And yeah. I had to cut 15 pounds in like two weeks, which was and really freaking hard and probably yeah, yeah, very yeah. unhealthy and you know this yeah. you, you've done this probably a lot with wrestling yeah um, well luckily i was a heavyweight so i didn't have to cut but my brother did and, and all my teammates did so yeah and yeah. that's it's not easy having to, staring food in the face and saying i got to uh, i can't eat this right now even though my stomach is telling me eat it <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. No, yeah, so you, you, you understand the process. You yeah. Know? So what's the mental preparation? Do you got to kind of plug it into people or do you have to prepare them a little bit? Well, you know, a lot of the mental preparation has already been done by them. Some, some of, well, most people have tried a diet in the past and failed mm-hmm. at some point. So talking to them about how this is going to be, this isn't just a one diet, one and done thing where it's going to take a lot of communication back and forth. It's going to – at some point you're going to plateau. It's working together to figure that out, strategizing around whatever in their life is pushing them back and, and you know, their, and their bodily forces that are pushing them uh, to eat more. So it's not so much mentally preparing. They've already kind of done that once they've mm-hmm. decided that they wanted to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you – for someone listening right now who's trying to make that shift, is there anything – any advice that you could kind of – plug into them to get them to kind of make that mental shift and start yeah, because I, a lot of listeners probably do have a couple pounds they want to shed but they're not ready or they don't feel like they're ready to to make that commitment yet yeah it, it's it, sometimes it can be hard because it's it's such a you don't see the issues so like when you fall down and break your leg it's pretty apparent that you got to get that fixed you got to do something about it Weight is kind of insidious, and, and these health problems that occur from weight happen years after you've had it for a long time. So one of these things that you, you know, I talk about to my patients is, you know, what are their values? Do you value family? Do you value – what do you value? Like if you value, value family, do you want to be there for them in the long run? Um, do you want to be able to take care of them? Do you have to be able to take care of yourself and not have these issues? So it's kind of one of those things of like – well, you know, why, why are you going to start your, your diet next Monday? Why not now? Mm-hmm. It's, if it's always next Monday, you're never going to do it. So uh, the, uh, the other thing is I don't push people because the, the harder you push them, they'll push back and not do it. It's, it's, a, right. it's kind of a psychological thing. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's not pushing over the edge. It's usually asking, yeah, you know, tell me more about why would you want to lose weight? Right. Um, you know, I'm, it's, it's not a pushing type of thing. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast. We're going to just take a second to talk about this great promotion from our sponsor, Metalita. They know what it's like to have a hectic schedule and not very much free time. That is why they are offering a free at-home try-on. So if you're not 100% sure of your size or your style, you can easily order multiple things from their website at metalita.com. You can try them on at the comfort of your own home. You can keep what you like return what you don't like or if you want something embroidered you can have it sent back to get it embroidered this is 
all done with shipping covered by Metalita, and this is 100% risk-free. You can also get an additional 20% off by using the discount code BEYONDMEDICINE20. Now, back to the episode. You made a really good point with saying that, you know, it's not like breaking your leg and you can see it right away. It's kind of, it's years and years down the line and uh, people can't see that far ahead sometimes. And most of us can't, you know, even me right now is 28 years old. I can't look that far ahead sometimes, but especially on a Saturday night, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Yeah, but what I have noticed and what's been really interesting, and this is, I'm sure you've seen this a ton too. It's that that it's that moment where someone has that devastating event, where it's whether it's the heart attack or it's colon cancer, it's something, and they're they're all of a sudden like just so ready to make, and they do most of the time they do make some huge life changes, and and if only we could figure out a way to get people to to make that realization 20 years sooner imagine how much how much how much more life we could add to people's lives and how much more quality of life too right yeah i you know you have to be like one of those uh you get like a, a fortune right just show, yeah <laughs> oh my god i oh my god i had a heart attack and whatever if you could see that into the future yeah you'd probably start right now yeah um maybe it has to happen to a family member you know, we, we see it to patients all the time. It's, um, you know, I just right before this, I, I was on the, I was on the bike. Mm-hmm. I, I, I lift a lot, but I like preach cardio and I try to get in cardio, but sometimes, you know, you just, um, you don't like to do it, but it's like, it's good for you. It's so good for you. So doing a combination. So that's, I'm trying to do the preventive thing myself. Yeah. It's hard. It's it is. Hard. It definitely is hundred percent. So let's go into some practical steps that someone could take. I mean, I want to get some real, like, <laughs> some real yeah. juicy things, like one, two, three. Like, let's say I'm 40 pounds overweight. What can I do, one, two, three, to, you know, drop 40 pounds in six months, let's say? Or maybe that's yeah. a short timeline. Yeah, I would I would just – so here's what I would do. It depends on how tall, blah, 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 blah. But if you want just like a blanket kind of answer, I would go get your MyFitnessPal – Mm-hmm. Or your lose it app. Go buy a food scale. Start cook your own food. You're not going to do this by eating out for every meal. Mm-hmm. Cook your own food wait, for just two weeks. Weigh out everything that you actually cook and put into your body, and log it into your phone. Just do it. Just do a dietary audit. Mm-hmm. And if you can, and if you look just at as that, a, just as even an experiment, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then if you can just stick to 2,000 calories at first. You know, and and then and watch for a couple of weeks. You can start, and if the weight starts coming down, good. And then if you need to adjust, you know, go down a little bit more. But if you did just that, I promise you, uh, the weight will start coming off because you'll just start seeing like, wow, I eat way more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, everybody, it happens to everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. You said something interesting in a post recently, and it it goes back to that thing you were saying. We. You know, it was, I actually had a really good laugh at this, and you were saying, "But Doc, I don't really eat that much. Uh, I just eat a little bit of this or that." And I was laughing because I literally had the exact patient, yeah. and I, not as like laughing at the patient or anything, but it's so real because no. because it's, people it's don't true. know, people don't realize how much they're actually eating because it feels like a little bit, but really, if you really took into consideration, it it's actually a lot, right? 
Yeah, you're going to encounter, at first you're going to believe them because this when you first start working with patients, you'll be like, wow, well then maybe there's something wrong with them. But then you'll start seeing it. Every single patient does it. Not every single. They're like, yeah, I eat like crap and they know it. But like a lot of patients will say, I only eat this. I'm not losing weight. And they're just, they're not not necessarily intentionally trying to lie. They just are so unaware. Oh yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. And they, they block out the parts where they... Well, the lasagna or chicken, you know, sandwich that was like from Chick-fil-A with fries. Well, that didn't count because of that was just some sort of event. Yet they have multiple events like that per week. And it just it just adds up. Mm -hmm. They think the one time they ate healthy, that's what they're going to report. You know, and it sounds like, uh, you know, again, it sounds like oh, this doctor has a bad side man. It's like, no, no, I don't talk like that to the patient. But it's like, well, let's talk about it. You know, usually people don't lose weight. Mm -hmm. Uh, or don't realize how much they're eating unless they're getting fed by a lab. That's mm -hmm. kind of one of the things I say. I probably uh, underestimate how much I eat, probably by 20%. I probably eat way more than I think I do mm -hmm. as well. And it's just normal. This has been reported in the literature time and time again. Mm -hmm. um, your metabolism, highly unlikely it's low. And even if it were low, it doesn't correlate as well to weight gain anyway compared to how much we're eating. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it's just so, so someone who's someone who's thinking they probably don't eat that much. I want I kind of want to challenge them to count the calories to actually see how much they're actually but counting every calorie like even that chocolate bar that yeah. you're, you're sneaking off the secretary's desk, you know, or whatever it is, I count every single one. I think a lot of people would be surprised how much they're actually taking in. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, people do that. Their 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 eyes will open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what's what do you find most interesting right now in this uh, in like all the research that's coming out and with all these advances and all these new diets that are being researched uh, right now? What are you kind of most interested in? Yeah, well, you know, what it all comes down to adherence. You know, uh, whether it's intermittent fasting, whether it's chronic daily restriction of your calories, whether it's a lower carb diet. Multiple studies have been looking into the fasting thing, and mm -hmm. it's like, wow, the two groups don't do any different. But if you looked at the individuals, we'll do a lot better than others. So I think, you know, if when we can hone in and find what works for each individual really well, that's where we're going to, mm -hmm. you know, do the best. Not everybody's going to do best on a ketogenic diet. Not everybody's going to do best on, you know, intermittent fasting mm -hmm. type of diet or low fat or whatever. And we don't really know that, you know, you look at genetics, we thought there may be something there, but it turns out that's probably not mm -hmm. the case. Um, do you do, yeah. do you do any inter intermittent fasting? Not myself. I, no. I, I like eating too much. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't like skipping breakfast. I don't like skipping meals. I, I get kind of irritable. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I don't personally do it. Yeah. So it's, it's probably not for everybody. I've been trying it out. I've been doing it actually on and off for a while. But I do notice that the days I do it, I do see some real noticeable benefits in my energy levels. Like that's without a doubt for me, uh, just in terms of fluctuating uh, or like having that 2 p.m. crash. Uh, but it kind of, but my focus, my, my question was really like, all right, so keto diet versus intermittent fasting versus if you are recommending these to people, are you kind of, uh, are you basing it based off of the person's uh you know, what they're looking to achieve or 
how do you make those recommendations? I'm looking at what somebody's going to be able to stick to if I could for life, but mm-hmm. like for at least an extended period of time. That's that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely want to get the results. So like, you know, if I put somebody on some ketogenic diet that's high in calories and they don't actually lose weight, mm-hmm. you know, who cares if they're able to stick to it? But right. um, so something that's going to get results and that they're going to be able to stick to. That's that's mm-hmm. that's literally it. What about um, what about myths like things that are just completely untrue or or don't work? What what, what would you say falls into that category? Yeah, a few myths. People think that they need to exercise to lose weight. When exercise is probably best to help people keep the weight off. Mm-hmm. Exercise itself is is not super powerful at weight loss. Simply, well, not simply, but because we overcompensate in the way we eat and in other things uh, and it's hard to actually do enough exercise to burn enough calories to lose weight where it's easier just to not eat something mm-hmm. um, that's that's one myth uh, another myth uh, people think that they need to eat more frequently to burn more calories that's not true hasn't mm-hmm. been shown uh, you could eat I mean, yeah, we hear that a lot too. It's that was kind yeah. of the, for a long time that was the prevailing thought that That's s- what I thought. six small meals a day. Yeah, made yeah. sense to me back in high school, nine, you know, two thousand ish. Turns out that's not true either. Yeah. Um, other, let's see, other myths. Uh, you know, the, the myth that lower carb diets are going to burn more fat or something like that. That you technically do burn more fat, but it's because you're eating more fat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, body fat, you know, say it's going to be the same either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, other big myths, uh, sh- like sugar, let's see, eating sugar is, is going to be toxic for you. That's, you know, I, I don't promote eating sugar, but I think I, I, there's a lot of fear mongering around sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get sugar in the form of fruit. And as long as we're not eating that many calories, we're still going to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the fruit is just, you know, comes packaged in a way that we can't yeah. most people can't overeat it i'm sure there are people that can overeat fruit like bananas and things like that but uh, i'll see what other other myths that i they think about proteins bad for your kidneys no in healthy populations it why seems, do you think why do you why is your why is this your opinion on this because i'm what, actually this is just it's interesting to me the protein and kidney protein being bad oh, for your kidneys thoughts so because of the metabolism and everything and how you uh have to excrete um uh urea and that, that's what people think it's 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 hard on the kidneys and there mm-hmm. there are some studies looking at you know renal patients in the past but now it's 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 interesting as you start going into the studies you know i've talked with nephrologists and dietitians as well it's mm-hmm. it's not so clear cut anymore mm-hmm. you know it's Protein's bad for your bones. Does it leach out the calcium or things like that? No, it's actually maybe good for your mm-hmm. bones, especially if you're keeping your muscle, which muscle strength is good for bone strength. Mm-hmm. So some so, of those are myths, yeah. Yeah, there's this idea when I was in high school or you know, playing football or whatever and trying to put on muscle, there's always this thought that I had to have 1.5 times my weight in, uh, in protein to put on muscle and to gain weight and gain muscle. And I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of protein now that I think about it. And (laughs) I mean, what's the prevailing thought now? Is it, do you need that much protein to put on muscle if that's your goal? Uh, You know, so that was my thing when I was younger, but like 
No, the the biggest, the most important uh, part is the signal from resistance training. There's going to be a point to where you're getting enough, you're getting sufficient protein, and more protein isn't going to augment your muscle gain. Right. So those calories would be better spent something that you prefer, like carbohydrate, to maybe fuel your performance in the gym, or maybe fat if you like peanut butter or something like that. But no, there's going to be a point. I mean, that people look at you know whether it's 0.8 grams per pound or or 0.7 or one gram per pound. You're going to be splitting hairs in between there, and then if you start going over that, you're not going to get much more benefit, if any, at all. Right. What are you What are you taking in right now? Uh, I'm probably around the point. I'm trying to get jacked like you, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Spencer's uh, wearing a cutoff right now, flexing. <laughs> <laughs> probably about 0.75 grams. I do. A, I try to hit around like 180. 180 grams of, of protein a day. I'm about like 220-ish. 180. Yeah, so I, I'm getting about I'm getting about 0.8 grams mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Do you know that, uh, you know if you drop that if you drop that protein count down a little bit? Do you notice yourself lose some muscle mass or no? Mm. <laughs> what? You just stay yeah. jacked at all times. Yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> much. But like, you know, like again, I'm sending, I'm sending a heart like that signal. I'm, I, I don't take very many breaks when it comes to resistance training, mm-hmm. unless I have some sort of injury or something. So, at least twice a week of resistance training, likely three times a week, hitting the body parts, each body part, one to two, sometimes three times a week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the most important part is the signal, mm-hmm. sufficient protein. If you're getting. If you're getting, uh, you know, that point, even 0.5 to 0.6 grams per pound, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I've been reading a little bit of research on kind of resistance training and just muscle, uh, just uh, muscle mass in general and its implications in longevity. And it seems to play a huge role in uh, patient, in people, in longevity of people. Um, and even if you, like you mentioned in the blue zones, a lot of people in the blue zones do a lot of work whether it be like lumber, chopping down lumber or, you know, doing things that uh, that could be considered resistance training. That's a major part of their lives in those blue zones. And uh, I don't know if you ever noticed, uh, you probably have noticed this, but you ever see like a patient that's just really skinny, an older patient, inpatient unit, really skinny, not a lot of mass on them. Sometimes I feel, I almost get the sense that they don't do as well as patients that are even maybe a little bit overweight, but mm-hmm. have a little muscle mass on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, like they seem know. a little more, it's like they just, I don't feel like they're going to do as well. It's just this, almost this instinct I get. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. It's uh, frail, you know. Um, yeah, we see it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, sad. It's get them to lift some weights, eat some protein, you know. Yeah. Do you have any Do you have any thoughts on vegan diets and uh, and you know staying slim and slender versus you know having a little more muscle mass on you and you know consuming some protein? But even though you can get an enormous amount of protein on a vegan diet, we properly done vegan diet should be fine. But I see a lot of people do it improperly, probably eating still too many processed foods. They're not eating a ton of beans and legumes like you know like there's they should be doing lentils right because right. um, you can eat nachos and cheese well i don't know about cheese not cheese, cheese but yeah yeah you, you could eat 
pasta all day that's right. um you know and, and and just not get all those other nutrients and protein mm-hmm. so yeah there's good ways of doing it bad you know and, and probably i'd say not bad ways but poorer ways mm-hmm. uh, of doing it yeah for sure sweet man well if you could if you had one thing if you could just get people to just go home with one thing and just if you only had one message to send to everybody based on uh, about weight loss or or uh, you know reaching their goals what would that one thing be if it just uh, that one thing that could trump everything yeah I, I would say you know if you've never done it before do a dietary audit you know, like I said before the one thing that makes you know us doctors a little bit different we can prescribe medicines to help with appetite the biggest thing is finding a caloric deficit so doing a dietary audit on yourself follow it for a few weeks watch your weight watch what happens you got to be honest with yourself you got to buy in it's not one of these things where you just kind of yeah i'm kind of tracking a little bit you have to buy in get a scale and everything then you know it'll open your eyes to the fact and then if you do that and it's just hard sticking to it then you go out and seek help to get doctors you know other nutrition people that can help you uh strategize to stick to it that that would be my biggest advice awesome and uh, i usually like to end this show by asking my guests what beyond medicine means to them and you know usually i just like to hear what that first thought is or what that first instinct when you hear that is and if you could have if you have like one or two sentences what would you say comes to mind for you yeah, I mean, beyond medicine would be just living a full, deep, meaning life, you know, creating relationships and, and going further than just strictly the science of medicine. Right. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. You are the man. Cool. Uh, Thanks for having me I on. Think, I think people are going to really like this episode. Thank you. Good, buddy. All right. Hey podcast, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this, telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.